Hey guys, welcome to my series of podcast episodes about what? How? Um, My goal with these episodes is going to be to try to explain to you what a certain comprehensible input strategy is and how to implement it in your classrooms. I hope they're helpful for you. All right, so I just recorded this episode about using a story mountain to process input after using a narrative input chart, and I'm pretty sure now looking back at my episodes about the narrative input chart that I probably talked about these ideas before, but if you haven't done it yet or you haven't tried it or you haven't listened to that episode yet, I definitely think this one is going to still be worth your listen, but I wanted to add in this little note just in case. I go into a lot of great detail in this episode you're about to listen to about how to process a story or other input that you have already done in class where the students are already slightly familiar with it on a story mountain, how to play and do the activity, what would they say or what would they think using the story mountain graphic organizer and some other options for extensions to do after you've continued to work with a story and the students feel comfortable with the language that you're used in that story. So if you still want to take a listen, I would really appreciate it. But if you already listened to the other episode on the narrative input chart and you're like, I feel good about using the story mountain and doing these extension activities, then I totally respect if you're going to dip out right here. But I wanted to give you a heads up before you continue to listen to the rest of the episode. What's up, you guys? So I am super excited to share with you today about some ways that I will use a story mountain and a story mountain graphic organizer to process a story or input that I've already given a previous day. And this popped into my head to share with you because I was just doing this this week with my seventh grade classes. And I did this earlier this year with the exact same story and content in my eighth grade classes. And it went so well that I did it again with seventh grade and I'm just really loving it. So I figured I needed to share with you guys. So I hope you enjoy hearing about how to continue to recycle and process the new language from a story in new ways that it feels fresh to the students. So I specifically used a personal story from my own life about a time that I was in a not serious bus accident when I was studying abroad in Costa Rica. The kids always find it interesting and entertaining because number one, I'm in a different country. Number two, who imagines that you're going to be like in a bus crash coming home from the weekend um, at the beach? So I told the story on day one using a narrative input chart. And if you look back at my series on what, how, I have a whole episode all about narrative input charts. And I may have even mentioned some of these following strategies about the story mountain in that, but I'm going to say them again because of how much I loved it and how much it really got the kids to kind of critically think about adding in more details to a story and beefing up their narrative writing abilities. So I told the story using a narrative input chart and pictures on my, uh, on my board about the trip to Costa Rica. The first day, we did a write and discuss after we had done the narrative input chart, and then we read through that, and we had a quick quiz, and we processed the input like we do normally using the daily instructional framework that I use. Then on day two, I had a story mountain drawn on my board, and on the board, I had um, the mountain drawn and the number one at the bottom, like the, you know, the introduction and the scene and all of that and then two and three were the rising action number four was the climax five and six were the falling action and number seven was like the conclusion at the bottom of the mountain on the other side and what was really interesting about this was that I had nine pictures 
that the students that represented different events and things that happened in the story, that the students had to decide where they would go on the story mountain. So the first thing I did was I introduced the story mountain to them in English. I wanted to make sure that they all knew what it was and what the different points of the mountain represented. Because if we went into this activity in L2 without establishing what we were doing in L1, it was going to be a disaster. So I took two minutes to make sure they knew what the story mountain was. And so then what I did was I held up the pictures one at a time out of order. And I kind of restated like a summary, just one sentence that that picture represented. And then I had the students all shout out what number I should put the picture at. And I would just kind of put it at where the majority was, you know. So when I put, held up the picture of the bus station where the bus accident happened, that's where they were like, cuatro, number four, that's where the climax is of the story. Um, and what was really neat is some of the students had to really kind of think about, oh, there's going to be more than one picture at a couple of these different numbers. So how do we figure out what goes where and who's you know, what, what picture should really go where. So sometimes they would shout, half the class would shout out two, half the class would shout out three. So I would put the picture up in the middle. And then at the end, after there were kind of empty spots and other pictures, I would kind of rehold them up and restate them. And then by that point, a majority would be saying the, in my mind, what would be the correct placement on the story mountain. So I just used magnets and put out like black and white printed pictures. You could have drawn pictures um, of where the students said that each event would fall on the story mountain. Then that was kind of our that was kind of our guided oral input for the day because that took us about five to six minutes to kind of really go through it again. Um, and then I would then I gave them all a copy of the story mountain on paper. And what was really awesome about the story mountain graphic organizer that I use is it was drawn by Tina Hargaden and she has added next to each event a place where you could put a speech bubble or a thought bubble along the way. Because one of the characteristics of strong narrative writing is adding in kind of inner thinking, adding in dialogue, and things like that. And so we are currently working on our narration unit in seventh grade, and we're trying to become better story writers. So what we did was I put my graphic organizer up on the screen on the document camera. The students each had a copy in front of them. And then we came up with one sentence to summarize each of the seven points on the Story Mountain graphic organizer in the target language. In one of my classes, they were able to give me the Spanish while it wasn't perfect or didn't necessarily use the past tense correctly because they haven't been exposed to a lot of the past tense. I haven't given them a lot of input on that yet. They were able to give me almost complete sentences that I was able to write straight onto the graphic organizer that summarized each point perfectly. Sometimes I would put what they said down and then I would say and and hope that they could give me a little more because they were maybe missing a detail or an extra little piece of that sentence that would make it even better and summarize that event in a better way. My other class that I did this with I really had to scaffold their sentences for them. They were not able to give me sentences, and that's okay. I meet them where they're at, and we can still do the same activity, and they're still getting great input, and they're still processing it. So I would have to give them a sentence starter, 
And then they were able to help me kind of finish the sentence and shout out the correct answer or word that was missing. Then, after we labeled each of the seven events on the graphic organizer, then we were able, I had the students get together in partners or groups of three. They don't often get time to work together in um, my language class because I really focus on giving them a lot of input, knowing that that's the only real source that drives acquisition. And so I like to let them work together often, but I know that a lot of English can come with when the students work together. And English isn't a dirty word by any means, but I want to keep the focus on Spanish. So I really set a time limit on it. So I said to them, all right, you have seven minutes to get into a group, or you can do it on your own. Like, I don't care. And you need to look at each event and then next to it where the speech or thought bubble is drawn, you need to come up with something that I, the teacher, me, because the story was about me. So if the story wasn't about me, I would have said whoever the main character was, you need to come up with something that I could have been thinking or could have been saying in that moment. And so I let them pick a speech or a thought bubble. They didn't have to do both. I told them that if they got done with all seven, that they could come back and add, you know, to have a speech and a thought bubble for each event. I told them it could be a word, it could be a phrase, it could be a sentence, but it needed to be in Spanish. But they were working together, and these kids have had a lot of input with stories and dialogue and senior woolly songs and all of the crazy. So I knew that they'd be able to come up with some really great stuff. So then I circulated the room as they were working. I consistently reminded them when we were counting down time because I know that if I didn't, I just said, okay, go back to your seats, that half the kids wouldn't be done. And then here's the key. You have to hold them accountable for filling out these things in class, even if you're not necessarily going to correct every single thing they do. So what I usually do is I will take like a Mr. Sketch marker or something and I will go around the room and I'll put a smiley face or a star or some kind of a mark on their graphic organizer that I like graded it for completion. And then I just give them a few points in the grade book for following through and doing what they needed to do. And I did have a couple of kids in each class that maybe didn't fill in each each thought bubble or each bubble on their way, but they still were able to get a high enough completion score that it's going to continue to encourage them to do well. I wouldn't collect these and grade them for grammar or accuracy or anything like that because that's not the point. The point is just getting them to continue to use the language and look at new ways of expressing ideas. So then after we were done, they were done brainstorming and wrote down their ideas with their groups. We got to each event. And so I restated the event and I said to them, this was all on the second day of class. Okay. I'm still letting you know what I did then. I restated the event. And then I said, did I, in the target language I'm using now, did I say, and I'm using my gesture for say, or did I think? And I'm using my gesture for think. And then I had the class pick, okay, did she think something or did she say something? And then I let volunteers raise their hand and share their, their thought or their speech, um, their speech, their quote with me. Um, and then I wrote those in the speech or the thought bubble. And I made sure that I obviously wrote them in correct grammar. But what's really cool about this is one of the things that makes a narrative stronger is the action happening in the past, but the thinking or dialogue happening in the present. So each of the events being summarized on the story mountain was like, uh, Miss Leppert went to the beach in Costa Rica, but then the thought bubble 
said, I like the beach a lot. So they're getting to see the two tenses next to each other and how they can come together in the same piece of writing and work and make make a lot of sense of it. And that's another skill that they're going to need to be able to do to move up the actful performance levels for writing. You know, that intermediate mid, intermediate high, they expect them to start being able to use the major time frames. And so this is an awesome way to present that information. So then once we got to the end, and it was really funny, some of the kids came up with some really funny things, like just some noises or things like, oh no, I'm going to die because it was a bus accident or something like, oh good, I'm not dead. Um, You know, it's a little morbid and goofy, but they're engaged in the content. And really when you're going through an event like that in your life, those are some thoughts that go through your head or some things you might shout. Um, And so Then at the very end, we had about five minutes left in class after we had copied down and written down all the information. And we went through and we read, I read each event in Spanish. They told me what it meant in English. Then I read the thought or the quote in Spanish. They told me what it meant in English. I made some little notes on the graphic organizer in case they didn't know a couple of the words. And that's how we wrapped up day two of processing that same story or that same input using the story mountain. Now, on day three, it's time to extend. So there's a whole bunch of activities you can do to extend the story. So a lot of things that I like to do is I like to play the game Numbered Heads. I forgot who I learned this from, but you put students in groups of four, and they each are assigned a number, one, two, three, and four. And then I would say a sentence, probably directly off of the graphic organizer or very similar to what was on the graphic organizer in Spanish. And they, as a team, in their group of four, have to come up with what it means in English and write it on whiteboards. They each have their own whiteboard with their number on it. And then when they're out of time, I would say number three. And every number three in each group has to raise their whiteboard up. But this is an awesome game because the whole group is responsible for making sure every single person has the correct information written down. No, they can't write it for their group members, but they can help them and tell them what things to correct and what things to fix. Um, But they're still getting more repetitions of that input in the target language, and then they're just writing what it means in English on their boards. So that's numbered heads. We might do some reader's theater or some acting with this story and what happened. I mean, how funny would it be to have the students pretend to be buses? I mean, that's going to be making for some early entertaining and compelling input. Um, We could do a running dictation with the story. Um, I ended up being out this week and needing to have a sub plan. So I typed up the story um, in a couple of paragraphs, and then I'm going to have them illustrate it on a storyboard without text on it. And then we're going to use this storyboard to do some blind retells. Um, You should look up blind retail on the comprehensible classroom martina bex's website she has an awesome explanation of it there it's really not as scary as it sounds Um, my students have loved doing them in the past we could play the question and answer game about it i could give them a quick quiz i could give them a copy of the text in spanish and have them change details and rewrite it to make it about other people or change the situation at all i could have them write maybe what happened next if they're able to. My students probably don't have that language, so I wouldn't, but if you had upper level students, you could do that. Um, I think I said a running dictation. I could do that. I could do a reading assessment on this. I mean, it would be a very familiar one, but it would build their confidence and make them feel good. So there's so much you can do once you have given the students input of a story or something else, and you have written about it and you have reprocessed it with them and built their confidence up, 
so that they feel comfortable using that language, you talking about that story, and they can start to output in a little bit less of a stressful way that's more fun and gives them practice and then they feel good that they're using they're using the language to communicate, which is the whole purpose. Of course, I do not grade them on their accuracy when they are outputting, and I want to make that really clear. So if we do a blind retell and the students are trying to retell the story and talk about what happened in Spanish, as long as they're speaking Spanish and they're using some of the words that we use together, I might write some of the key words up on the board, too, to help scaffold their understanding. Um, that's all I can hope for. And it just builds their confidence and they feel good about their ability to speak in the language. I could also have them do a, a retell in Spanish one day. And that would be another writing skill for them to practice. Um, so there's a lot of ways you can continue to use that. But I really loved using the Story Mountain to reprocess the input that I had already given them the day before, but in a new way. So it still felt new, but they were getting those repetitions in and it didn't feel quite as boring as some other ways could possibly be when you're just reprocessing the, reprocessing the same information over and over again. So let me know if you try to use a story mountain um, in your classes and how it goes. And I hope that this is helpful for you and that you are surviving this February and making the most of it. Talk to you soon.